Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome in to the Dublin to Denver podcast on the Mile High Report podcast network. Another week closer to the season. This is the week that the, uh, the Broncos pre-sale went and sealed for London. Uh, before I bring in Colin and Stuart, uh, delighted to welcome a special guest this week to the show, former Bronco among many other teams, uh, Nick Ferguson. Nick, it's fantastic to talk to you again, especially if it's your first time on this podcast. So a warm welcome. Well, thank you uh, for having me. I can't, I can't. Wait to see what uh, you guys have in store. Nick, first off, uh, is there any plans to go to London? I, I know um, you've obviously played with the Broncos before. D- did you get a chance to play in London before? And um, obviously in Europe as well, it's it's an exciting time for a Broncos fan overseas. No, you know, I, I never got a chance to play in London. Uh, obviously playing in NFL Europe. I mean, we traveled all, all around the place, but it was never centrally located in London. And that's kind of been the talk of the town here in Denver, known as though they're going, coming across the pond to play the Jags. Everyone's trying to figure out if they're going, when they're going, should they go? And the big question a lot for the players are, you know, hey, would you want to give up a home game to go to London? And for me, it's like, well, how can you not? If you've never been to London before, you definitely have to go because it's about, experiencing a different culture than what we've experienced here. So there are some players, man, and personnel inside the Denver organization 
that are really excited because uh, they missed out on this opportunity, I think, back in 2020. So they just want to make up, if you can, make up for lost time. But yeah, it should be a great trip. Nick, I'm delighted to have you um, on, on with us. And I want to get your, your thoughts. Um, Kyle Brandt made some choice comments about the, the Broncos last year. And uh, I suppose Broncos country was a little bit defensive from many aspects of it. And those of us who maybe thought Kyle had a point felt, felt a little bit, you know, um, on, on the outside. I, I'm I'm Fox Mulder here, you know. I I want to believe, right? I, I want to believe you're you're on the ground there in Denver. You've been at many camps. You've seen Nathaniel Hackett. You've seen Russell uh, Wilson come in. Get 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 my get my hopes up for for this Broncos season. T tell me that it, it it's a new era and that the the drudgery and the dreariness of the the Vic Fangio era has been cleared from the building. Yes, it, it is. Um, it's great here. It's not like a, an Irish summer. So the skies have definitely opened up and the sun is definitely out because everyone's really excited about what this team could potentially be uh, this season. I mean, you, you mentioned two names. You mentioned Nathaniel Hackett. You mentioned Russell Wilson. We have not had coaches and a player like this in, in a while. I would have to go back to my time being here with both Gary Kubiak and Mike Shanahan to say, well, this is the first time this fan base was really excited about a coach of this magnitude. And I know that Daniel Hackett doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience, but once again, it, it's the, the energy and the vibrance that he brings in. And it's almost like, you know, and, and not to kind of shame Vic Fangio, but here's what it looks like, or it seems like. It's just like, well, you know, under Vic Fangio, it was the galactic empire, right? Now the rebellion has now come in and now is more happier days because you could see it on the faces of the players. They are so happy. And a couple of weeks back, Tim Patrick was asked about the team's aspirations of going to a Super Bowl. And he was flat out adamant about, yes, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. Over the past three years, no one was talking about this team in this particular way. And neither were the players, but there's a sense of belief now, knowing as though you have a very competent an established quarterback in Russell Wilson. You have a very energetic coach in Nathaniel Hackett. And I can tell you this, guys, the first day of OTAs, I saw Nathaniel Hackett taking handoffs from Russell Wilson. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute, there's no way that a coach would actually do this. I've never seen Kubiak do it. I've never seen Mike Shanahan do it. The only person, fellas, that have come close to that was Kyle Shanahan when I was coaching with the 49ers and he was playing the scout team quarterback. So it's a certain level of enthusiasm that this team and this fan base now has that we haven't had around here in some time. Nick, um, you played on one of my favorite Broncos teams, um, which got to the AFC Championship game on yes. in 2005. And it's, I guess for me, and I, I suppose for a lot of Broncos fans, that always kind of feels like the one that got away because I think, with all due respect, I think you guys would have handled the, the Seahawks in the same way that the Steelers did in the Super Bowl. But did you find that there's kind of similarities, I think, in the period the Broncos have just gone through now since Peyton Manning retired and the sort of the era that you came um, into the Broncos at in that John Elway had been gone for a few years the franchise was kind of not, you know, they'd struggled to replace him. They'd had a couple of different quarterbacks. Then I think Jake Plummer came in 
Um, and there were some, some really good free agency additions around that time. And I know you guys took you a while to get past the Colts. I think there was a period of time where it seemed like the Broncos played the Colts in the playoffs for about 10 years in a row, uh, ironically enough, with Peyton Manning. But did you, did you find then that the, you, you knew as players that, that something was building, that you were kind of... Now, I know, unfortunately, as I said, it didn't, it didn't end up at the Super Bowl, even though I think you guys deserved it. But you, you, was it sort of gradually, bit by bit, or did you find that once Plummer was kind of there, that you felt that you had that veteran quarterback, that you were ready to, 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 to go and win the Super Bowl? Um, because I, I kind of, myself, looking at this, it's, it was an interesting thing. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were saying that the last three years, one of the Super Bowl teams one of the participants had had a losing record the season before. And that's one of the great things about American sports, you know, with the draft, free agency, a team that struggled can the following year can, can really pick up and, and can be a major player. Do you think there's something similar happening now with these Broncos? I mean, I don't know, Super Bowl may be a step too far, but I think we're all hoping playoffs where would you, would you, would you aim even higher on that now, given the fact that we do have a player like Russell Wilson in situ there now? Well, yeah, because when you think about what the Broncos were under Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning, you know, never had a strong arm. He wasn't a very mobile quarterback. But once again, it was the belief and Peyton Manning when he would come in that anything was possible. So much so that even you go back to a couple of years when Brock Osweiler was uh, the quarterback and Peyton was dealing with his issues. And then the Broncos needed that game to, to capture the, the first you know, the, the top seed in, in the AFC, I mean, Kubiak made a very, you know, difficult decision. He pulled Brock out and then he put Peyton in, knowing as though Peyton was a shell of himself. But once again, it was the belief in Peyton that allowed them to get in a position where they could win that game because even the, the Chargers defense, they were like, wait a minute, this is Peyton Manning. We, we have to button up, we have to straighten up. But that's something that having a, a quarterback that, has a reputation as league can actually do for you. And, and that's why I know it is high aspirations talking about the Super Bowl. But I mean, at, at least you can have that conversation logically because you have a guy like Russell Wilson. And, and that changes the way you think overall from a team standpoint. You mentioned Jake Plummer, a guy that I play with. Also, we all we had Jay Cutler. Now, if you were to ask me, you know, which one of those guys did we truly believe in? We believe in Jake Plummer, even though he didn't have the arm like color, but it was just all the intangibles and the intangibles and intangibles that, that Jake Plummer actually possessed that made us want to go out and win football games. And you see the same thing in Russell Wilson. I'll give you an example of what happened in minicamp uh, uh, last week. So the Broncos were able to bring officials into practice to just kind of get guys acclimated on calls. There were two false start calls on Garrett Bowles, right? And you should have seen the media. They were going, oh, here we go again. It's the same thing over again. But the first thing Russell did was go up to Garrett and, and talk to Garrett, right? As players, you make mistakes. You know, that's not your intention, but you make mistakes. And this just was kind of a minor mistake in practice because you've gone this length of period of time and not have the officials there. And now that they're there, certain things are going to get called, but Russell did what a leader would do. He didn't yell at him. He didn't scream at him. He pulled Garrett to the side and he talked to him. And he basically told him, man, I'm going to depend on you just like you depend on me. And that's the type of leadership that 
I haven't really seen around here in a while. And that's what, why so many fans have so many hopes and aspirations. And once again, uh, a Super Bowl appearance would be great. But I'm just talking about let's get into the playoffs and just winning the first game. Looking at this team this year, and you've sort of you've you sort of read that a wee bit there, Nick. Is there any position, even on the offense or defense, that does stand out to you that we need to improve on between now and September, or do you think it's very much what we have we go with from now? Well, you know, it's great what George Payton was able to kind of put together, and there's competition and depth all over the place. So for me, I can't wait for training camp to arrive because there's going to be so many you know, positional battles that everyone's going to be watching every single day. Case in point, let's look at the offensive line. That, that was kind of a, a, a much maligned area that everyone said, well, that area needs to improve drastically. So they bring in Billy Turner, who comes in from Green Bay, who Hack, Coach Hackett is familiar with. They also bring in Tom Compton, who is familiar with the same type of offense that Nathaniel Hackett wants to run, and he comes from San Francisco. Right. When you look at Compton, he is somewhat of a, a swing guy. He can play both guard and tackle. I, I think he's a better guard than he is a, a tackle. But that group has gotten so much better based on depth and versatility. Calvin Anderson is another guy who, you know, everyone's saying, OK, well, will he be on a bubble? I'm like, no, that's a guy that's going to make the team. He may not be the starter, but he makes the team because he is a swing tackle and it's about versatility. So this team over the past offseason has been been strengthened. I mean, DJ Jones coming over from San Francisco, I'm familiar with him and my time coaching with the 49ers. He's going to make Draymond Jones that much better. So we should see overall competitive play from that group. And it also affects Mike Purcell, who's a, you know, he's a hometown kid. He's been injured. Uh, Vic Fangio loved him. But once again, we're going to get the best of the best out of these guys. So there's not a position that I'm, I'm, I'm worried about, but I just want to see how things kind of work themselves out with that offensive line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nick, I think it's it's fair to say that special teams is an area the Broncos have struggled in in, in recent years. It, it hasn't worked out under Tom McMahon or under Brock Olivio. And there's an, the obviously new coaching staff, new special teams coordinator. From what you have seen thus far, um, how big a step do you think the special teams unit can make? Oh, a huge, a huge uh, mark on this team because Coach Stukes, I mean, you guys haven't had a chance to see it, but to let your audience know, it, it is more coaching than it was last year. I mean, when they go to the special teams unit and doing the special teams drills, I mean, it is loud. There's a lot of coaching. There's a lot of uh, active movement by the players. And here's what George Payton did this year, much to the dismay of some people in the media here in Denver and to the fans, they felt as though, well, why are you going out drafting certain players when there were other players that you could have selected? And it's because what you just said, the special teams unit and the coverage unit to, 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 to boot hasn't really been what it needed to be. 
So what you have to do, you have to go out and you have to draft those types of guys. And what I mean by that, you can draft a guy who may have been a starter in college football, but because he was a starter, he doesn't really know how to play special teams and he doesn't know how to do it well. It takes guys who have a certain knack for playing special teams. And the reason why I know I was one of those guys, right? I, I played special teams my first three years with the New York Jets because I had a knack for it. Mike Westoff, one of the best special teams coaches in NFL history was my coach. And you need guys who understand, listen, I am trying to earn time to become a starter. The only way I do that is showing and proving that I can make plays on special teams. And watching Coach Stukes go out there and coach some of these guys, it's, it's been uh, a fabulous. I mean, look, uh, Jalen Virgil, an undrafted player from Appalachian State, wide receiver. He's going to be one of those special teams uh, players. Uh, Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh, a, a corner who was drafted. I think he was in the fourth round. Th these are going to be the guys that, who are going to be the foundation pieces for making that special teams unit much better this year. Also, uh, linebacker Alex Singleton. I mean, everyone's kind of projecting him to be a starter, but when you think about his career with Philly, I mean, he was one heck of a special teams player as well. So they all have all types of special teams players that can contribute right away. And that unit should be much better this season. Nick, you kind of, um, you preempted part of my question. You, you've, <laughs> you, you had a, which is a sign of a good uh, safety, I imagine, to be able to, to, to see where the play was going before it even happened. Um, you, had a, you had a very unusual and, uh, and, and a, a multi-stopped sort of uh, career with, with in, 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 as a football player. Um, and I seem to be the person who's bringing you down memory lane and, uh, again with this question. Would you tell us a little bit about how you ended up on the Broncos? Because I know you, you were at a couple of places beforehand. And the second part of the question is, bearing in mind that you just touched on it there as uh, an undrafted free agent, you, you played special teams and you excelled at special teams. Apart from one or two of the names, are there any guys in the Broncos roster that you think might surprise us in the sense that they're, they're kind of down the depth chart or they're, they're people, you know, the people may not be talking about them and you think they could have an impact and, and may come kind of out of nowhere, really. Uh, does anybody you think you, it might be worth keeping an eye on in the next sort of couple of months leading into the season? Well, I'll start with the last one first. But when we look at this roster, to me, there are no kind of surprises because there is, the expectations have now been raised. And, and like I like to think about it when I played here under Mike Shanahan and the late Pat Bowling, there's a certain expectations for every single player. And that standard is now returned. So for me, there's not like, hey, here's a guy who's probably going to surprise a lot of people because it's expected. Now, I mean, Tyree Cleveland is definitely one of those guys. Uh, I've spoken to a lot, big body wide receivers, sort of like a Tim Patrick, Corlin Sutton, that uh, Coach Stukes is looking at him to kind of be that special teams ace, that guy to be the captain of the special teams because he, he's a big body wide receiver, but he has an attitude to play uh, special teams as well. And a lot of these uh, young players are going to be leaned on to play special teams, like uh, safety uh, PJ Lott. He's going to be required to play special teams. Caden Stearns, who is definitely going to challenge uh, Kareem Jackson for a starting role in this year's defense, He's going to be another player that's going to be counted on to play on, on the special teams unit. But when you are not a starter, that is your job.
that's a role that I've told a lot of these players, including Tyree Cleveland, that you don't accept the role, right? You embrace it, but you don't accept it because they see something special in you. You just have to use special teams to take your play to a whole different level. Now, to answer that first question, the, the way that I came to the Broncos, I played with the New York Jets. And I was able to kind of cut my teeth playing special teams. Then I got an opportunity to start and really show the team what I can actually do. Because when you perform in that special teams role and you perform admirably, there is this perception that sometimes happened that, hey, man, he's really good at special teams. And that's all he's good at. And I told Tyree Cleveland as though, no, you, you are so much more than that. You, once again, you have to use special teams to show them that, hey, you are very consistent. You know what you're doing. And hopefully that gives them an opportunity to give you more plays in the game than you show them what you can do. And that's what I did with the New York Jets. So when my contract expired, you know, at the time, it was Mike Tannenbaum, Terry Bradway, and Herman Edwards. And they were trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we do with Nick Ferguson, right? We know he's a reserve safety. He's come in and filled the role for us. And he's a hell of a special teams coach. But then they thought, well, what they were paying me, they can kind of get, you know, two or three play younger players to perform, you know, for that, that salary. But it didn't really work out that way for them. And I signed my deal with uh, the Denver Broncos. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this. If you play long enough in this league, you're going to play against former teams and coaches who might have at one point thought that, you know what, it's time to move on from this player. So in my second year with the Broncos, we happened to be playing the New York Jets. So I, I, I circled that in the highlighter, right? So I remember that and remember what it was like when I left the team. So I, I'll tell you guys this with a lot of confidence is that I said to my teammates, this was the easiest game I've ever played. And the reason it was is because I studied my tail off because I said I wanted to show them what they were missing out on by letting me go. And at the end of that game, Mike Westoff came up to me and said, you know what, Nick, man, you know, uh, I wish I would have fought for you more if we made a mistake. And I said, you know what, coach, it's okay. I know how the business works, but you were wrong, right? Mike Tannenbaum came up to me, the GM, and he said the same thing. He was like, gosh darn it, Nick, you know what? Um, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it differently, and I made a mistake. So I said to him, you got darn right, you made a mistake, right? So that's the joy of playing this game, but that's how I left the Jets and I joined the Broncos. Do you think they, uh, do you think they shudder every time they see the Champ Bailey 100-yard interception? <laughs> you, 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 you were the guy who brought the safety blitz, if memory serves me correctly, is that right? Well, your memory served you well, but here's the okay. thing. When most fans talk about that and they ask me about that, they, they, they remember the interception. They remember what happened at the end of the play. They yeah. never remember what happened to start the play. So I always have to uh, remind them like, hey, listen, it was a great play by Champ. It was a great play by Ben Watson. But let's not forget, I was the guy that forced Tom Brady to make that errant pass. And you were uh, directly responsible then for stopping the Patriots from winning three in a row. Is that right? They would have would have been the first team to win three in a row, I think, right? If they, yeah, if, 
And, and here's something else. Uh, th that year, I mean, obviously the Patriots were just kind of a juggernaut. And we beat them twice that year, which was kind of unheard of to beat them once, but to beat them twice. But, but yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a great game. And this is why I have a lot of respect and admiration for Tom Brady still to this day because, I mean, he came over to me after the game and he was just like, man, that was, that was a great game. And we have the saying, real, recognized, real. And basically what that means, when someone does something great, even if you are a competitor or competing against that person, it's great to recognize what that other person brought to the table. Nick, very quick, far final round before we let you go, man. A quick question. New uniforms, new stadium, yeah? Well, you know what? That is something that uh, everyone is talking about. And the biggest question is, where will Rob Walton build the stadium? I'm a fan for keeping it downtown, right? There's a lot of political reasons because, you know, 2020 COVID, there were a lot of jobs that were lost. You keep it downtown, you bring that influx of business back into the downtown area. And then also known as the Rob Walton is connected to Stan Crockey, right? I mean, it's just like, why don't you build like a Wally World downtown and you get the Nuggets and the Avalanche have a new arena, the Colorado Mammoth have a new arena, and then the Broncos have a new stadium. So to me, it's like, you, you are keeping it all in the family, but new uniforms, you know, that would be awesome. But here is the problem with that. And you, you guys tell me this. Now, some fans will like to change the logo, right? Now, how do you guys feel about changing of the logo? Some guys and some fans want to go back to the old logo some want to kind of kick it into overdrive and just kind of make it a 2022 edition of the logo. So I ask you guys, are you in favor of a logo change or not? I like the 2022 one, lads, like the old D re revamp. Yes. Oh, I want to go back to the old colors. The, the logo, we can, we can figure that out, but I want to go back to the old colors. <laughs> Brown and yellow. Uh, not the old, oh, yeah, yeah. the, the, yeah, ne the, the neon orange those, that bounced off the, <laughs> the screen. No, those horrendous throwback jerseys. No, no. I'd love the uh, the color rush helmets. Uh, okay. I'd love, I'd love if they were uh, the Broncos helmets full time, and uh, the jerseys. I'm I'm using. Like myself and Colin, we've been supporting the Broncos since the eighties, Nick. Um, so Michael is the baby of the group. So so we grew up watching the Broncos wearing those <laughs> the, the, those old jerseys with the, the the horse coming out of the D. So there's a kind of an element of wanting to return to our childhood, uh, I suppose. But yeah, I, I I guess with with the new owner, you know, there's been consistent talk about the new the new stadium. Now would be the time to make a change, I suppose. If you're going to go the whole you know the whole shebang, then you, this would probably make sense. And and that uniform has been. That, that was changed in, for that first Super Bowl season. So that's, what, 25 years now. I suppose it is yeah. time, isn't it, when you think of it that way? It, is, it probably is time for, for a bit of a revamp. Well, here's what I would say. Hopefully, Rob Warren comes in and, you know, he may not do it the first year, but in the second year, if he's going to do it, I just say, you know, give the fans a couple of options and just poll it, right? Do, do a poll and let the fans figure out, okay, well, which uniforms would you love the most? Now, here, here's something that would be exciting. When the Broncos come over to London to play the Jags, what if the Broncos came out in those new uniforms and they just surprised the hell out of everyone? 
that, that would make for quite the, the spectacle, Nick. And Nick, we just want to <laughs> thank you for being so generous with your time. It's great to, to have you on and hopefully we can have you on again in the not too distant future. You do some great stuff on, on social media. For our listeners, where can they find you? Well, you can always find me uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram, all under the same title, at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. I decided to just make it really easy for everyone to, uh, to kind of find me. And, and also, I'm going to shoot a video here very shortly, uh, and I'm going to post it. And uh, it, it's going to, I guess, showcase me in, in certain ways that uh, fans really don't know. But it is still quality content. So you can always find me on social media. Well, we look we look forward to that, and uh, thanks uh, thanks again, Nick, and uh, enjoy the uh, the off season, the, the little break before training camp begins. All right, mile high salute to you guys.